welcome to Mint, the podcast dedicated to making spiritual things practical. My name is Aminta Geisler, and I'm excited to spend the next few minutes with you talking about God's Word and applying it to real-life situations. The goal of this podcast is to inspire you and equip you to run the race of faith well, one practical step at a time. Because just like a weight is useless if a person doesn't pick it up and do the workout, so faith will be useless if a person doesn't do the work of putting their spiritual knowledge into action. Together, let's go beyond learning into implementing, one practical step at a time, and let's grow stronger in our faith. Thank you for joining us today. I'm so excited. We are going to go for episode number two in the Breakfast Club series. Um, For those of you that are just joining us, I'm doing a four-part series on some of the talks that I've given at a breakfast club that I have the privilege of being a part of. And these talks um, have just come from my heart and are the fundamentals of what I am trying to share about God and the faith with a group of high school kids that I just love and adore. And so last week we did one on God who sees us, and this week we're going to talk about the difference between truth and lies. And so I would just encourage you, if you missed out on episode one, go give it a listen. It's so much fun, Um, and continue to join us. My desire is that these could be used just to maybe inspire you or light a spark for sharing your faith. And um, they really do come from a place of looking at the Bible through the lens of if somebody knows nothing and we are introducing them to the gospel for the first time, what do they need to know? And so episode one was that God sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And today we're going to talk about that there is a difference between truth and lies and where truth comes from and where lies come from. I'm so excited for today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are and all that you are, and we thank you that you are the Father of truth, and we thank you that you're good and that you are trustworthy and that everything you say is true and that we can trust you. God, I pray you'd give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you, and hearts courageous enough to follow you. In your name, amen. Okay, I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Wreck-It Ralph, and now there's a second one, Ralph Wreck-It Ralph 2. But I love this movie because I live it in real life. I have a Wreck-It Ralph in my home. Love him so much, but my youngest son, Truett, who's about to turn three, is a destroyer. And just like Wreck-It Ralph, it's like his job to destroy things. That's how he treats it. And it's funny sometimes, you know, but sometimes it's not. The first year of his life, he had colic and he cried incessantly around the clock. And nothing we did could stop it. And I was like, this kid is wrecking my life. And now that he's older, he doesn't cry as much, but he still is just so destructive. I I don't know how he does it, but he just has a knack for figuring out how to wreck things. And he's a lot of work, and my husband keeps telling me he's going to get easier, and he doesn't. Um, And so it's really easy for me to fall into the mindset of like, oh, my life would be so much easier if Truett was different. He's just wrecking everything because I can't get anything done with him around, which is funny, but serious and kind of not funny 
at the same time because I do fall into that trap of like, ah, this is wrecking what I want to do a little bit because I have dreams, I have hopes, I have aspirations, and my kid doesn't cooperate with those. And so it's easy for me to say, ah, it's wrecking it. But the thing as I thought about this is that everybody kind of has a wrecker in their life, something that is working against them and hindering them for what they want to achieve. And whether it's a marriage that you feel like is in disarray and it's wrecking you, or you know, for, for my students, maybe it's a teacher who's really hard on them or a coach who doesn't see their value and doesn't play them, or maybe there's somebody at school who's bullying them and just wrecking their life. And it's really easy to um, look around and just say, ugh, this is wrecking my life. So Wreck-It Ralph is funny, but I love actually how it shows that me anyway, personally, that I can fall into the trap of thinking that things are wrecking my life, but, but sometimes there are. And the reality is that we all have a wrecker and we all have a common wrecker. So the thing is, is we've got to be able to identify the wrecker, right? So that we can figure out what is it actually that's wrecking my life? And how can I fix it and get around it so that I can do the work that I was made to do? So what's the wrecker? Well, the Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now that sounds like wrecking to me, right? Steal, kill, destroy. Those are all wrecking things. But my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. So who is the thief? Well, the thief is Satan. And Satan is determined to wreck us because that's his job. He's out to get us. That's literally what his purpose is. In John 10, 10, that's what it says to us. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Man, he is our wrecker. He's coming after us. He's trying to take us down. And how does he do it? What's his plan? Well, they're lies. It's like a giant wrecking ball coming right at us. John 8, says, the devil was a murderer from the beginning. He's always hated truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character because he's a liar and the father of lies. So that's his weapon. So the devil's our wrecker and lies are his weapon. And he comes after us. And if he can get us to believe the lies, he can wreck our lives. Because we will make decisions based on the lies that we believe. We will have feelings that can control us based on the lies that we believe. And then we will act out according to the lies that we believe. So all he's got to do is make us believe his lies. And then we have all of these decisions and feelings and actions that flow out of that. And what it does is it just wrecks us. It crumbles our stability like a wrecking ball. Now, I got to tell you, friends, I really wanted to make a point at Breakfast Club when I made this when I made this uh, observation for the kids. And so I, at this point, picked up a giant hammer, and I'm not kidding, I walked over to a wall in my new home, and I said, picture your life like this wall. But if you believe lies, it's like a hammer destroying your wall. And I took the hammer, and there was a collective gasp in the room as kids were like, there's no way she's going to put a hole in her wall. And I swung as hard as I could, and I put about six big holes in my wall. And it had an impact. Because anytime you see somebody take a hammer to a wall in their living room, you're like, first of all, this lady is cray cray. She's off her rocker. But second of all, it makes the point. This is what lies do to you. It crumbles you. It destroys you. And there's lies everywhere. But how do we recognize them? 
How can we overcome them? How do we know if something is a lie or if it isn't? Well, I think one of the best things that we can do is look at Jesus in the life of Jesus, who was God's son. And what did he do when he was faced with lies? How did he know the difference between truth and lies? Because he came and he was perfect and he didn't make any mistakes. And so he clearly had a way of distinguishing between what the truth was and what the lies were. So I want to look at him. And to do that, we're going to turn to Matthew 12. And we're just going to read a little story about him and his disciples, who are his followers. And um, they are hungry. So Matthew 12, they're hungry and they are walking through a grain field on the Sabbath. And so it says that Jesus and his disciples were hungry and they began to break off some heads of grain and eat them. Now, some of the Pharisees saw them do this and protested. So I'm just going to pause for a minute the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were basically the religious bigwigs. They were the guys who had been in charge of the church to this point. They were the ones that knew the most, that that had had all the training. They were the ones that everybody was supposed to come to. They were like the religious elite. And they did not like Jesus because Jesus came and he brought a new way. But they really, really liked the old way, right? They liked the old way where everybody had to come to them. And actually they were a little bit corrupt. And so they were making a lot of money and they got a lot of power off of making the people believe that they could get them right with God. And so what they did not like about Jesus was that he came and he said, actually, I'm the way to God. You don't need this way. This old way is not the way. You need You need me. There is a new way. And so these Pharisees did not like Jesus. They were out to get him. They were always trying to trap him because they had a lot to lose, all their power, all their wealth, all their money. And so um, they followed him around and they watched him so that they could take him down. So Jesus and his disciples, man, they're just hungry. They just need a little bit to eat. But back in those days, the Sabbath day, the day of rest was a holy day. And the rules said that you couldn't do any work on the Sabbath. And it was actually punishable if you did. I mean, people observe this really closely. And you know, in our culture, it is not the same. We try to take Sundays as a day of rest or a day when you just hang with family. A lot of people call it their family day um, where they'll sit around and, um, be together and watch football or, you know, run some errands and they call it their family day. But back then it was a lot more intense and you did not work. You did not make meals. You did not do anything on that day. It was a day set apart only to worship the Lord and to rest. And so the Pharisees saw this as an opportunity to to get Jesus in trouble. So let's keep reading. So the Pharisees saw them and protested, look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. No, I'm going to pause here. They're breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Okay. So here's where the lie comes in, right? Because now the disciples did break off a few heads of grain, but it was to eat them. They were definitely not harvesting. They were not out with tools. They were not bringing things in so that they could make a huge collection and bring it in for a profit. The disciples were not working. They were trying to eat on the Sabbath. But they're twisting the truth. And they're making it a lie. And see, it's so subtle. It's so subtle. Lies are not always obvious. The best lies that Satan uses that are the most powerful are the ones that look a lot like truth, but they're not. And that, that's the case here. This looked a lot like what the truth was. The rule was you couldn't work on the Sabbath. But see, the disciples weren't working. So then Jesus responds, and here's where we get to see how he handles lies. And he says to them, haven't you read in the scriptures... I'm going to read that again. 
haven't you read in the scriptures? So Jesus, even though he's God's son, he calls on the scriptures. Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read, there it is again, in the law of Moses, now that's the scriptures, that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath. Now I tell you, there's one here who's even greater than the temple, but you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of the scriptures. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifice for the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. So here's what I love. And this is a little complex. I'm going to try to break it down a little bit, but what you fundamentally need to know is Jesus called on the scriptures and the scriptures are truth. And so the way that Jesus was able to counter the lies of the Pharisees was by truth. Because see, they tried to use the word against him, but Jesus knew the truth so well, he could tell that they had twisted it. See, and the Pharisees relied on the fact that they knew the scriptures better than anybody else. And so they could twist it to mean whatever they wanted it to mean. And the people didn't know any better. But Jesus had a powerful weapon in knowing exactly what the truth was because he could combat their lies. And he said, so he basically comes at them and gives them two examples in the word where God's holy people were allowed to get food on the Sabbath. And he gives them those examples and he says, man, you're not getting it. And he said, if you knew the meaning of this scripture, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifice. He's telling them, man, you're trying to nail people to the wall with this law, but God is a God of mercy and he wants his people to eat. So not only are you lying, you just don't even get it. You're missing the whole point. And so I love this. Jesus shows us in just one little story, the power of knowing the truth, because then even when the truth is subtly distorted into a lie, you can tell the difference. And the best, best real life example I can think of this is counterfeit money. When they train agents to spot counterfeit money, do you know what they do you know what they study? They study the real bill. They study it over and over and over for hours, every little single detail until they know the real bill so well that when they are presented with a fake, they can immediately spot it because they can tell that it is not the real thing. And it is the same with truth. If you will study the truth and put work into it and spend time in it and immerse yourself in it when you are presented with a lie, you will immediately be able to spot it because you're so familiar with the truth. And there's no better way to know the truth than to be in God's word. The Bible tells us over and over that it is the truth. It says that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And Jesus in his whole entire life and in his words are recorded for us in the scriptures. And so that's how we know the truth. But we got to be in the truth and studying the truth in order to be able to see the lies. Because there are lies all around us, but if we're not in the truth, we won't even see them. I mean, when you think about the amount of time that you spend reading God's word versus the amount of time you spend on your phone, listening to the radio, watching TV, taking in movies or YouTube videos or whatever it is, I'm willing to bet that you spend a lot more time taking in media then you do the word of God. Now, there are some rare cases. And, and I'm not saying it has to be like this huge legalistic thing where you can't be on TV, in the, you know, watching TV and on your phone and doing all those things. But what I am saying is, are you spending enough time in the truth that it could counter the lies that you're taking in? 
Because let me tell you, the more you study the truth and then the more you look around you at the media you're taking in, the more stark the contrast is. But if you're not taking the time to be in the word and study what it says, you don't even really notice that the other stuff you're taking in on Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat is lies and based on lies. And then you start to buy into some of the things that they say, like, man, I'll be happier if I'm prettier or if I lose 10 pounds or if I join this um, club or if I buy this bigger TV or if I get um, 100 likes on my picture on Instagram or if I'm on Snapchat, I get more followers or if I get the shoes that everybody else has, I'm going to be happy. And you buy into these lies about stuff and accomplishing more and having more when the word of God flies in direct contradiction to that. But you don't even realize it. Friends, I am so guilty of this. It is so easy for me to get caught up in this. And man, I lived it. Because I grew up a Christian and I went to church and I had Christian friends, but I did not spend near enough, if hardly any time in the word of God. I thought going to church and praying when I needed help, singing songs on the radio was enough, but it wasn't enough to show me what the truth was. And so then when my life got hard and Satan came to me with some lies and he started to whisper, you deserve better. You deserve to have it be easier. You deserve somebody who's going to treat you awesome. You deserve to live the life that you've always dreamed. Man, I bought right in. Because see, all of those things are in contradiction to God's word, but I didn't know. Man, God wants to bless me and he has plans to prosper me, but God also wants me to be faithful and honor my vows and trust him in the hard times. And friends, because I believe those lies, I made horrible decisions and I walked away from God and I wrecked my life. And I spent years running away from him and I I chased everything that the world told me that was going to make me happy. I chased money. I chased the people that had money. I gave myself away to try to get their approval. I partied. I drank. I did a ton of horrible things. And after about two years, you know where it got me? Bottomed out. Worse than before. But with a fresh knowledge that on my own, I was way worse off than I had been with God and that everything that I'd bought into Everything the world told me was going to make me happy and successful was a lie. And so I turned my life around and I started to read the word of God and it transformed my life. That was the single most powerful activating event in my life was starting to study the word of God. Now, I'm not going to lie. It isn't easy. The Bible can be a daunting book. And so I think that it would be, we'd be remiss if I didn't at least talk about some ways that we can get into the Bible and help us understand it better. So there are a ton of good Bible apps these days. You can do the U version. Um, I have just a simple NLT Bible downloaded. And um, for a long time, I had the Jesus Calling devotional downloaded onto my phone. But there are, I know Proverbs 31 puts out a, a wonderful daily Bible time. There are tons of great and free apps out there to help you read your Bible in chunks and get you in the word, even if it's just a little bit every day. You can sign up for devotionals that they will send you to your email every day, um, but just get in the word. And, and the things that I tell people, really simple, my family, we, it is not, um, it's not like a, a 
specific formula, but I tell my kids, you read a proverb a day for wisdom. You read a psalm a day to understand wisdom and God's greatness. And then you read a chapter somewhere else in the Bible to read all about and find out about who God is and the glory that is his name. And so that is kind of the formula that we do. It does not have to be, man, I'm not saying you got everybody's got to go to seminary and study the Bible. Um, but 10 to 15 minutes a day is transformative in helping you see truth to combat the lies. And the one other thing I want to mention is uh, the way to have more truth and less lies, uh, in addition to getting into the truth, is to turn off some of the lies. And so, you know, I don't, I don't need you to go all radical here, but if there are shows you're watching or accounts you are following or people that you are hanging out with that are not good influences and that you know is smudgy and icky, then it is time to turn those off because the less you're exposed to the lies, the less impact that they have on you. And so, um, man, when I talked to the kids, I got real honest too. And I just said, if you're looking at porn, if you're looking at uh, music videos, if, if you're looking at things that are not honoring to God and that are degrading to women and um, that are full of trash, man, that's what's going to be in your heart. So turn that off. So um, that is is um, the basis of the talk that I gave that day about knowing the difference between truth and lies. And friends, I don't know where you're at on this journey. It took me until I was 33 years old to come up with the gumption that I needed to spend regular time in the Word of God. But since then, I have watched Him move mountains and do miracles and do amazing things. And I honestly believe it's because I'm in the Word, and the Word is truth, and truth is a weapon to fight lies, and it is how we conquer Satan. And so I just thank you so much for listening. I hope this has given you some insight and inspiration in your own life, and I hope that you feel encouraged to reach out and start to have some conversations with the people around you. And I hope you'll join us next time on the next episode of Mint when we do part three of Breakfast Club. Mint Podcasts are a production of Reckless Abandoned Ministries, an organization that is insanely focused on loving God and loving others. Ram is passionate about helping to eliminate hunger and homelessness among youth, and we invite you to join us in giving the pursuit of crazy love away to those who need it most. Information, opportunities, as well as other Reckless Abandon event information can be found at amintageisler.com.